How are you guys? We went to Dallas uh, for a conference called Dwell, and uh, it was hosted by pastors David and Nicole Binion. And um, there were a lot of folks there that honestly are heroes of Allison's and I. Um, Apostle Ron Carpenter. How many of you have heard Ron Carpenter preach before? Anybody in here? My God, man. That dude threw down. I'm talking the best sermon I've heard in years. And he talked about the three levels of praise and he talked about worship and he talked about how there are so many worship teams that are skilled in the sound of the age but not skilled in the sound of the moment. And he preached a word on the levels of praise and at the end he invited us to shout for our unanswered prayers and it was deeper than that but listen I got up there and I was like no holds barred I'm going in for my unanswered prayers tonight and I screamed until the Holy Spirit told me to stop he said hey look you got to preach tomorrow you got your breakthrough enough is enough stop screaming you need a voice to minister in the morning so it was a powerful time in the presence of God. Who else was there? Uh, William McDowell from Orlando. Pastor William McDowell. If you've never heard his worship before, I would suggest looking him up as well. Very powerful. Super anointed. Uh, Chris Durso was there from New York City. Uh, amazing man of God. We got to link with him a little bit. And then my new best friend, who is also Jared's best friend. They came up together. Dante Bo. How many of you have heard Dante on YouTube? Four people. So not enough. I'm going to tell you. Not enough. You got to look them up. So um, I don't know about you, but I got a bit of a hipster personality. And so when something gets real popular, I refuse to, to listen to it. Anybody else like that in here? Like something gets real popular, like I'm not watching that movie. Everybody's posting about it. I'm not watching that movie. I'll watch that movie on my own time. Thank you very much. I'm not going to be pressured into watching that movie or listening to that song. And, and, and Dante has this song on YouTube called The Real Thing. And I saw everybody posting it. And I was like, I ain't watching that. I didn't know him yet, you know. I was like, I ain't watching that. It's too popular. And yeah, wait till, wait till the hype dies down. I'll see what it's about. And uh, I was in my kitchen making coffee the other day. And uh, I got one of those Google hubs, you know, where you can say, hey, Google. And it'll, you know, do stuff for you. And I said, uh, play my, my worship playlist on YouTube. And it played the wrong thing. And uh, it played Dante's song, The Real Thing. And I didn't know it was that video that everybody had been posting. And then I looked at my hub and I said, this song is so good. And I was mad at myself for not listening to it sooner. I was like, this song is anointed. I didn't even get to my coffee. I just started worshiping. And I could sense the presence of brokenness on this music. And, and uh, you know, it's a, there's a difference in being talented and being anointed. I said, man, this, this is anointed. And, and, and I don't know how you are, but when I find an anointed song, I exhaust it until there is no more oil left within it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will squeeze that sponge dry in the prayer closet. I will go in on that one song and listen to it like a mantra until it's anchored in my spirit. And I'm just singing it on my own. And that's how I got about that song. And I was like, this song is rich. It's, it's full of God's presence. And so I showed it to my wife and I was like, this is so good. And, and we went to Ugly Mugs the other day to prepare for a staff meeting. And I put on my headphones and I was listening to that song. You ever get in the secret place in the public place? And you start to get self-conscious about how you might accidentally give God some praise in public. And that's how I was getting. We were surrounded by all these people in business meetings. And I was just like, I was... I was holding it back, man. I was holding back the tears. I was holding back. I do this in airplanes sometimes, you know, because in airplanes, I'm like, I don't want to upset the stewardess or the, the flight attendant or whatever they're appropriately called today. I just, I'm like. So I, I've thought about going to the bathroom a few times so I could worship. And uh, I was listening uh, to that song and I was preparing for our staff meeting. 
and, and I, I copied the link and I sent it to my friend, David Binion, who hosted this conference, the Dwell Conference. And I said, you gotta hear this. This is a beautiful song, amazing song. And he just wrote me back one word, all caps, wow. And he had never heard it before. And uh, I just sat there and I let it play. And all of a sudden I was supposed to be preparing for a staff meeting, but God started speaking to me a message that I'm gonna speak to you today. And I sat there and I wrote the message in one hour, just it was just God speaking to me. It was just, it was a flow. It was a, a main line of revelation. Just I want to talk to you about this. So I'm listening to this song. And then David texts me a few days later. He said, hey, Dante's coming to the conference. I listened to the song you sent me and I connected with him on Instagram and I invited him to the conference and he's coming. And then whenever I got up to speak, he walked in the door the exact moment that I was getting up to speak. We hugged and I was like, I feel like I got reinforcements in here. What's going on? I was like, did we just become best friends? You know, and, and we just, we connected and then I got up and I spoke and afterward he was like, Bro, that message was um, amazing. I love that message. I'm like, I wrote it to your song. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how God works like that? It's like, like I sent David the song. David said, I'm going to invite him. He comes in with the message. Man, God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? He works in ways he works in moments there's these moments of time where we don't we don't necessarily understand them when they happen but when we walk away from them we think to ourselves that was a moment you guys know what I'm talking about some of you guys are about to have that experience with church today you're going to walk out here into the parking lot and you're going to get in the sun it's going to be hot just barely than it just a little bit more hotter than it is in here because it's close and you're going to get out there and you're going to say i just stepped out of a moment i feel different on the inside you guys know what i'm talking about and um the reason i'm talking about moments is because i'm going to preach a sermon series on moments and uh i was thinking about moments all week couldn't get it off my mind and then everywhere I looked, I saw moments, the word moments, moments. You guys know what I'm talking about. When God starts speaking something to you, it's like everything else starts speaking to you, you know. And I walked into H&M. I saw a hoodie said moments, moments, moments. I'm like, how does H&M have my Google password? How do they know what I've written in my Google Drive for my sermon series? I'm about to preach on moments. It's crazy, man. God loves you so much. He wants to talk to you so many different ways that he won't wait on you to pray before he starts speaking. Because God is way more passionate about you having a moment with him than you are about yourself having a moment with him, right? He is. He is. And, um, and so I just want to live in a moment, just a progressive, continual, constant flow state of moments, of encounter moments, of presence, mo presence moments. Anybody else in here? And that's, that's where I'm going to take the text from today. I'm going to, don't pull it up yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from one verse of Scripture. I'm going to speak from one moment in David's life. I'm going to speak from one moment that he desired more than any other. And hopefully we'll dive into an understanding today that it is possible to live in a place of encounter. I'm going to try this side. So it's possible to live in a constant place of encounter. It's possible. I'm going to get to that. In just a... So turn in your Bible, Psalm 27, verse 4, as you're going there. I don't know about you, but I got, I got saved in a moment. Anybody else in here? Like you got saved in a moment. You know you didn't, you didn't figure God out. You didn't get saved because you figured God out. You got saved because of a moment. You got saved because there was a moment of time when God's love for you crashed in. So much so that you could no longer fight it off. You got saved because of a moment where God's grace filled your soul so completely that you surrendered you said you know what God I can't do this on my own any longer 
I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm tired of being stuck in my sin. I need this moment. I surrender in this moment. I receive your grace in this moment. I'm encountering you in this moment. My life is being transformed in this moment. We all got saved in a moment. And I think it's absolutely possible not only for us to be saved in a moment, but for us to live in a moment. For us to live in a perpetual state of the presence of God. I got saved in an encounter. I want to live in an encounter. Here's how I got saved. Some of you guys know this, but I was a terrible person. Addicted to drugs, dealing drugs, mean, anxious, needed deliverance. And I thought that the cops were coming to arrest me. I watched them walk past my window and I said, I better go to the door and prepare myself to be arrested. But when I looked out the peephole, nobody was there. And the same feeling that I used to get as a kid when my dad would bring me to the altar. You know, the glory goosebumps, they started happening and I stepped away and Jesus stepped into my drug infested apartment. No preaching, no prophetic word, no Bible, no TBN. And in a moment, Jesus encountered me and I fell to my knees and I repented of my sin. And in a moment, I received a free gift of salvation that ignited a fire in me that has yet to go out. In a moment. See, one moment can change everything. Never overlook the potency of a single moment. In one moment of the anointing, you can get more done than 20 years of slaving away in ministry or in work. In one moment with God. And I believe it's absolutely possible for us to live in a moment. For us to live in a perpetual state of encounter. And I think that's what David wants to preach to us today. You guys cool with it? Okay, so Psalm 27, verse 4. We're going to read about a moment. One moment from one verse. One thing. Everybody say one thing. thing. Have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell. Everybody say dwell. In the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Notice he didn't say that I may dwell in the house of the Lord during my devotional time. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord on Sunday mornings. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord on worship night. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord during conference time. Or when I've been fasting. Or when I've been behaving the right way. Or when, you know, somebody opens a door for me to go with them to church. He said, every single day for the rest of my life, the longing in my soul is to dwell in a place of the presence of God and never leave. You guys getting this? I know it's just my intro and I know we still got the keys going. But listen, I'm I'm, I'm trying to talk to somebody in here that wants to live life in a perpetual place of the presence of God. Where you go from glory to glory to glory, not glory to goofy. (laughs) Okay, anyways. So, all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Let's read it one more time. One thing have I asked of the Lord. Let this be your prayer right now. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Does that not just destroy you in a good way? So the assignment today is dwelling in an atmosphere of encounter. Dwelling in an atmosphere of encounter. I don't know about you, but that's the way that I want to live. I want to dwell in an atmosphere of encounter. Now, when I talk about encounters, you guys know what I mean, right? I'm talking about a face-to-face encounter with the real Jesus that you leave transformed. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you see him in the same way like I'm seeing you. But I'm talking about an undeniable encounter. When you step away from it, you say, I've seen God. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? In the Bible, these are, I mean, the Bible is full of moments. The Bible is full of encounter moments. Oftentimes, the moments that people encountered God were, they were unexpecting. The moment was a surprise. 
How many of you guys know that God does not need your permission to crash in on your life and bring you a moment? I'm glad that he wasn't checking with my circumstance when he came to get me in that drug-infested apartment. I'm glad that he wasn't checking with my attitude when he visited me with a moment and changed my whole perspective about my life. That God's coming after you harder than you're coming after him. And it's absolutely possible, even when you're not seeking him, for you to live in a perpetual place of encounter. Now, I want to teach today about how to do that. (laughs) Teach, okay? Now, I might accidentally preach a little bit, but today what I really want to do is teach. I'm fired up. I went to a conference, okay? So I'm excited. And I'm still full, and my voice is almost gone, but God's working through me today in Jesus' name. The way maker. I sound better right now because I got the raspy voice. I normally can't sing, but today, Waymaker. I like how some of y'all worship like that. I'm like, I've been meaning to try out that worship move, but I haven't yet. That is who you are. I see y'all. I see y'all. I like it. I like it. I respect it. So I'm going to teach about how to do that, okay? And I'm going to, I'm literally going to just read this one verse of scripture to talk about one moment, line by line by, is that okay? I'm just going to teach you a little bit. And so the very first thing that David says is, he says one thing, everybody say one thing. Now, if there's anybody that should have been distracted, it was King David. Think about it. This man is, for the lack of a better term, the president, the king, right? He is the ruler over hundreds of thousands of Israelites. If there is anybody that deserves distraction, it is King David. He is governing territories, i.e. he's way busier than you. And yet... His confession in a place of prayer was, God, it's just one thing. One thing. This is what the prayerful call love. It's what the worshipers call devotion. It's what the doctors call OCD. It's what the business people and the productive call focus. Focus. I mean, we live in such a multi-directional, transient world, don't we? There are all these things that are fighting for our focus. And for some reason, we think that through a half-hearted effort, we're going to be able to achieve a wholehearted purpose. And so we're spinning all these plates. We've got our attention diverted in all of these different directions. And instead of just being locked in to one thing, We're constantly being distracted by many things. And this reminds me quite a bit of Jesus' conversation with two sisters, one named Mary and one named Martha. He spoke to Martha who was distracted and concerned about many things. He said, oh, you're worked up. Let's pull up the scripture real quick. He says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, you are focused on Many things. Is, it, is this reading your mail? Yeah. You're focused on many things, but. Y'all help me. It's almost as if what David had penned thousands of years previous came out in a conversation with the Messiah and two sisters. And he said, it's just one thing. It's just one thing that is required. It's just one thing that is necessary. There's just one rule that you must follow. And Mary has chosen that better thing. And it shall not be taken from her. How often do we lax in our seeking of God and focusing on that one thing, that encounter with Jesus, 
for fear that it shall be stolen from us by life or circumstance or problem or obstacle. But Jesus said, no, no, if you just focus on that which is necessary, everything else in your life will have to line up so that you can pursue what I've created you for, which is to live in a perpetual place of a loving encounter of a moment. When your priority is the presence of God, the presence of God will prioritize the rest of your life. Y'all not hear me. So when your priority is the presence of God, the presence of God will prioritize the rest of your life. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what David is saying. He said, look, despite my distractions, I know I got to govern. I got like several hundred wives. I mean, let's be honest. If there was anybody deserving of distracted, distraction, it was King David. I don't know how he did it with all them wives. Trying to run a country, have a hundred wives. I don't know what he's doing. If there's anybody deserving of distraction, it's David. But David says, no, 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 no. Like when all of my passions get in line. Here's what's at the front of the line. It's one thing. It's consecration and communion to Yahweh. It's the one thing that I long for. It's the one thing that I seek. It's the one thing that I'm more hungry for than food itself. It's the one thing that I breathe for. It's the presence of God. It's a moment. It's intimacy with God. This is what I'm living for. It's that one thing. There's a book out called One Thing. Anybody seen it? I see it every time I go into the airport. It's a white book with a black vertical writing and it says the one thing. You guys ever seen that before? It's a business book and it helps you to become more productive. And it's written by a guy named Gary Keller. And don't go buy it because I'll summarize it for you right now in one sentence. Are you ready? He says this, what is the one thing that I can do such that by doing it, everything else will become easier or unnecessary? Now, let me ask you the same question disciple of Christ that Gary asked the business people. What is the one thing that you can do so that by doing it, so that by doing it, everything else will become easier or unnecessary? You know what that is. You know what that is. We know what it is, but do we enforce the application? How often is it that we say, you know what I'm going to do Saturday morning? I'm going to get up early and I am going to do that one thing. Oh, I've been putting it off for a while, but I'm going to get up. And then you wake up, you wake up a little late and you got a text. We're going to Pancake Pantry. Forget that Devo. The Lord knows my heart. Right? You know, he is your creator, not your cardiologist. The Lord knows my heart. He would want me to hang out with my friends, not before he wants you to hang out with him. So easily does that one thing go to the back burner. But what is that one thing that you could do so that by doing it, the rest of your life becomes easier and everything else that does not deserve your attention fades into darkness? What is that one thing? Are you focused as a disciple, do you have one thing as a disciple or are you a distracted disciple? Let me ask you a question. Has your focus been reduced to one thing by comparison to all others? To seek the face of God. David had decided to seek that one thing. I've got five points for you today. And so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this one down because this is point one. If you are going to live in a place of perpetual encounter, here's what you must do first. Point one. Every day has the same goal. See the face of God. Before you start with your to-do list, I must touch heaven. Before you start with your ambitions, your goals, uh, your, your, your schedule, I must touch God. Before I start with anything else, I've got to see God. I've got to touch heaven. I've got to get a word from God. I've got to get a word. I've got to get in the word. I've got to get in the presence. I've got to get in prayer. I've got to see God. If you want to live in a perpetual place of encounter with God, the very first thing you've got to do is decide in your heart that every single day of your life will have the same goal, which is to see the face of God. Everybody say one thing. one thing. Let's go on to the next thing. Verse four. 
He says, one thing have I. Y'all help me preach today. One thing have I asked. It's amazing to me that people are afraid to ask God for what they want for fear that they'll wear him out with their questions. You know, I love when my kids ask me for stuff. Honestly, I do. You know why? Because when they ask me for things, what they're doing is confessing faith in me that I actually have what they're asking for and I'm able to provide it. Some of y'all gonna get that on the ride home. Whenever my kids come to me and they say, hey, look, dad, can I get a dollar? I feel happy in my heart because they believe that I can supply their need. So guys, I don't think that any of us are guilty of asking for too much. I think we are guilty of asking for too little. God wants us to ask. Did you guys remember when Pastor Nate Edwardson was here a few weeks ago? He was talking about moments in the presence of God and he shared this testimony about what was happening a few years ago out in Redding, California at Bethel Church where when they were worshiping a literal, visible, I know this is weird, glory cloud showed up in their services. It's in the Bible, okay? So if you wanna argue with somebody, argue with God. But that was happening in the actual service. It's on like film, like YouTube it. It was like a literal cloud of glory would show up in the service. And Nate, who is pastoring eight minutes down the street, is confused why God would show up with a glory cloud at a church eight minutes down the street. He's like, God, what's going on with us? Are we not good enough? Are we second class citizens? Are we like redheaded stepchildren or something? You're giving Bethel a glory cloud. Why are you not giving us a glory cloud? complaining. And God spoke to him very clearly and said, you never asked me for a glory cloud. So I'm going to give you guys point two, and this comes from my memo. Memo Dossett, she's preaching today. Point two is this, a closed mouth don't get fed. If you want something, say something. If you want an encounter, speak up. If you want to live a life in the perpetual state of of a moment with God, say something. Ask God. God, I intend on encountering to you, uh, you today. Show up in my life. Move in my life. Show me something I've never seen before. God, I want to see angels. I want to see a glory cloud. I ask you for a glory cloud. I ask you for prophetic dreams. I ask you for an encounter that's undeniable, that transforms me and, and moves in my spirit so that I forget everybody, forgive everybody that I've been holding captive in offense. I, I ask you, Lord, to give me that type of an encounter that heals my heart for that guy who broke up with me 18 months ago that I can't seem to get over. God, I'm asking in you you guys with me ask for it look at your neighbor say ask for it close mouth don't get fed Ephesians 3 20 said now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might seriously like God wants to do more than we ask so why are we asking for so little? Maybe God is doing something awesome in your life. He's just going right above what you ask. He's able to do more than you ask. So why not ask for more? Ask. God, I'm asking you. I want to live in a place of encounter. Be consistent. Be constant. What does he say next? Verse 4. He says, I have asked of the Lord that I will, that I will see. Oh, y'all with me now. See, there's a difference in seeking and asking. David doesn't just stop with a single request. He moves on to a consistent seeking. He said, look, I'm not just turning in a prayer card. You know, I'm not just, you know, asking somebody through DMs to pray for me. I'm actually putting my passion in action and I am consistently seeking God on a day-to-day -day basis. Your hunger for God shows up in your regularity to seek Him. So don't tell me you're hungry for God if you don't seek Him every day. That's where it shows up. It shows up in our consistency to say, no, I'm hungry and I'm seeking. 
I'm seeking. I'm looking for it. I need it. I want it. And I want you more than I want stuff. If our only spiritual connection to God is asking him for stuff, we have an immature connection with God. If the only time you pray is when you're interceding for a parking space at Target, you're not ready for a lifestyle of encounters. Okay? You've got to move beyond asking and you've got to move into aggressive, perpetual, consistent seeking. David doesn't stop with asking. He moves on into seeking. And I love the idea of seeking because this, this word in the Hebrew actually means to, um, to seek to find or to seek to acquire. There is an anticipation of acquisition. But so many of us, we don't seek God because we are entitled in that we believe that because we confess a creed, God owes us an encounter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there for a minute. That we believe, oh, I'm saved. I said the prayer. God, if God wants to show up in my life, he knows my address. If God wants to encounter me, he knows where I go to church once every four Sundays. He knows... He knows if he wants to encounter me, he knows where to find me. I mean, see, see I, love, I love the parable of the friend at night. You ever heard the parable of the, of the friend at night? So there's a guy, you know, he gets up and he, he's got somebody coming to see him. He's, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commune. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I need to go to my neighbor's house and get a loaf of bread because I ain't got no bread in the house. I'm hungry for a moment. I'm hungry for something. Ain't no bread in the house. I need to go get some bread. So he goes over. Hey, need some bread. The father of the house, the father, take note, take note of the parable. The father of the house is like, no, go away, dude. I'm sleeping. I've done all I'm going to do for today. Ain't no bread going to happen tonight. Bro, I don't think you heard me. I'm going to need that bread. I'm seeking. I've gone beyond asking. I'm going to wear you out with my relentless consistency until you bless me. Jacob saying, I ain't going to move. I got you in a hold. I got you in an arm bar. I got you in a headlock, God, because I'm not going anywhere till you bless me. I'm not going anywhere till you transform me so much so that my name is something different when you let me go. I'm not going to let you go until I walk away with a limp, until literally my walk looks different because of my place of encounter with God. I need the bread, bro. <laughs> I ain't going to let go. So, so, so what does Luke 11, 8 say? I tell you. That even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. As much as you need. See, some of us, we come with this thimble size like, here, God, if you could just feel this up for me today. It's all I want. God goes beyond what you think you want. And he moves deep into your soul to minister to your needs, to what you actually need. You guys with me? We got to move beyond seeking. We got to, excuse me, we got to move beyond asking. We got to move into seeking. You know why? Because persistence will get you what relationship won't. Persistence will get you things that relationship won't. Proactive consistency will get you things that pre-existing relationship cannot. It's okay. You don't have to say amen. I brought my own Holy Ghost. And so your hunger for God is revealed in your regularity to seek him. You got to be like that persistent person that says, look, bro, I know you're, I, I know you're done working your miracles for today. I know everybody that needed a miracle got a miracle. And maybe I don't need one as bad as they do. But I'm here. And if you think you're going to retire on my watch, not while I'm up, dude. I need that bread. I need to be filled. 
I need an encounter with God. I need something fresh that I can feed off of. I'm tired of eating off leftovers. I can't get by on the encounter I had 10 years ago. I need a fresh encounter for a fresh season. If there was ever a day I needed Ron, it's today. My God, I need you. Listen, a hunger for God. We're about to start doing that. I'm just going to get you ready. A hunger for God. Some of y'all are like, what? What's going on? A hunger for God can be supernaturally imparted. But often it is stewarded through intentional exposure to his presence. A hunger for God can be supernaturally imparted. You may just get it by surprise. Some people in the Bible did, and that's awesome, but we don't wait for that. Why? Because I'm more hungry than that. I'm not just sitting back waiting for my meal to come to me because I'm so upper crust that I'm not going to be caught dead in the altar seeking God with abandon. No, I'm coming in hungry. You know why? Because a hungry man has no manners. I need my encounter with God. I need my encounter with God. I'm trying to dwell in this place. I'm trying to live in this place. I'm not just trying to visit this place. I'm not just trying to have this experience one time. The, the, the Hebrew word is like, you know, to, to, um, to seek with an intent to, to find, right? To, to expect to acquire. And, and I was thinking about this because I was like, man, this is awesome. Like when we seek God, we should really expect that we're going to find God. But how often do we seek God with the expectation of being disappointed? But, but, but the word, the word here is the word. It's literally in the word. It's like the word is if you seek God. Hold on. Wait just a second. What did Jeremiah 29, 13 say? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God, I want a wholehearted transformation, but you're seeking me with a half-hearted effort. God wants to be found. Listen, my, my kids, my kid, y- y'all know how cute my kids are. I mean, they're just so cute. They're re- absurd, ridiculous, right? They wreck me. And, uh, and my kids, they love to play hide-and-seek right now. Anybody else got kids that like play hide and go seek? They play hide and go seek. And, uh, you know, Remy will say, Dad, let's play hide and seek. And I say, okay. And she said, I'm going to hide. So she goes and hide. One, two. And then I walk around the house and I say, where's Remy? Where's? And I know where she is. You know, she's standing behind the curtain and like four foot from the wall. And it's obvious that she's right there and she's giggling. Where's Remy? See, this is like some of us when we sin but refuse to repent. God already sees you anyway. Where's Remy? <laughs> I'm, I'm hiding it. No, the father sees it, you know. Where's your? And then she giggles a little bit. I got you. I got you. Come here. I see you. I love you. Give daddy a kiss. No. Give daddy a kiss. You're going to give daddy a kiss. <laughs> I'm your dad. And she goes, hug. And I'm like, okay. But you, you, know what, you, know what, you know what happens next? And she says, daddy, now you hide. I, I, I say, oh, oh, okay, Rim, you count. So I, I, go, I go into the other room. Four. 16, 8, here I come. And she runs into the next room. Now, where do I hide? I'll tell you where I don't hide. I don't leave the house. I don't get in my car and drive down the street. You know why? Because... You know why? Because the joy of hide and seek for the Father is being found. And so I don't hide in places to stay hidden. I hide in places that I know she's going to look. I don't hide to stay hidden. I hide to be found. But some of us, 
we have stopped the childlike joy of looking for the Father. We've done grown up and it shows. And, and we can't be stuck seeking God for any longer than I'm comfortable. The joy of the chase for the Father is being found, not staying hidden. Because I love to be found by my kids. That's the joy of the game for me, which is point three, play to win the game. Play to win the game. If you're seeking God, seek God with an expectation that you are going to win. Now, I've got to run through my last two points pretty quick because I've already held you up too much today. So I'm going to move into the last two points. But just go back to verse four real quick. Verse four real quick. He says, that I will seek after, that I may in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He says, I want to dwell. I want to live. I want to put roots down in the house of the Lord. I want to be rooted in the house of the Lord. I want to be planted in the house of the Lord. I want, and I'm not just talking about the church, the four walls of the church. I'm talking about the perpetual place of the presence. He says, plant me, ground me, root me in this place of intimacy and connection with you so much so that I never lead. I am not vacationing in the presence of the Lord. I am dwelling in the presence of the Lord. I'm not just going to visit once a place where God has designed me to take up residence. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to dwell, which I love David's hunger because it's obvious to me that David is not done after one experience. How often do we get tired and say, you know what? I've pretty much seen all there is that God can do anyway. I have a PhD in this. I went to ministry school. I done heard all of these great generals preach. I know all their sermons. I pretty much know what they're going to say before they say it anyway. I've read enough books. I've listened to enough podcasts. I've explored the depths of God. I know God inside and out. I mean, there's people out there who truly believe that they have drained the wineskin of God. And the truth is they haven't sampled a thimble. Oh, no, I know. I know all there is to know about God. I, just because you encountered God once upon a time does not mean you're going to live happily ever after. Just because you encountered God once upon a time does not mean you're going to live happily ever after. I know a whole lot of ministry school students that are burnt out and retired. They were on fire. They were the people in the front. They were the. And they're doing that in the club, you know, now. And they're gone. Ain't no more church for them. You know what I'm saying? Look, I know a whole lot of preachers that have turned in their ordination certificates for real estate licenses. And I ain't got no problem with it if the Lord led you to do it. But at that place where it's like, man, I didn't, I've seen all there is to do. I've, I've been, to, been to one church, you've been them all. They're pretty much the same. Leaders all the same. They try to control you, get your money, manipulate you. Church is all the same. That's just all. And David said, no, 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 no. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm not taking the cultural temperature to find out whether or not I should stay plugged in and rooted and grounded, I'm staying. Why? Because I'm longing to gaze. I'm longing to gaze. Pastor, I love you. I ain't coming to church for you. I'm coming to gaze. Serve team, I love y'all. I'm grateful for how you treat me, but I ain't coming for the welcome. I'm coming to gaze. Man, I love the lights and I love the sound. And man, worship team, man, did pretty good today. Didn't worship team do pretty good today? You know, it's, it's interesting to me how people leave church and say, hey, what'd you think of the worship? Well, how was the worship is the wrong question. How was my worship is the right one. So that's not why David was coming to church. He was saying. So. Y'all can tell I went to a conference this week. And here's point four. Don't vacation where God's called you to dwell. Don't vacation where God's called you to dwell. Live in it. Live in the presence. Live in prayer. Re don't retire. Refire. Don't give up. Oh, that was, I was back then. That was back then. I encountered God. I've seen all this. I, I'm done. I've seen it all. 
Look, when you're done encountering God is when you start deconstructing God. I didn't go over so well. So when you're done encountering God is when we start deconstructing God. Because God stops being our savior, the lover of our soul, our friend, and then he goes on trial. Where, where, Where it's no longer about intimacy, it's about interrogation. We must continue to have a hunger to have a real encounter with the real Jesus. Or the only thing we'll have left are the fragments of yesterday in a previous season that we hold up before the Lord and argue points back and forth. And God didn't save you to argue with you. He saved you to love you, to commune with you, to condition your heart until yours looks like his. That is why you have been created so that you could live in a perpetual place of the presence of God. If that was not the case for humanity, then God would have never created the Garden of Eden and put first, our first parents in it. I know y'all are getting tired, so I'm going to finish. Hey, here's what C.S. Lewis said. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Listen, we owe this generation a face-to-face encounter with God. They ain't coming to church for anything else. They're not coming to church for anything less. It's not gimmicks. It's not games. It's FaceTime. It's not systems, it's not style, it's substance. All right, fifth and final point. Wor- uh, yeah, worship team, y'all go ahead and come up. We got to do one song. Don't we have to do one song? Do- can we just do one song? Half the room's like, yeah, all right, I guess. Uh, if you want to do a song, I guess we'll do a song. We love you. We love you, Pastor. We'll do a song. But I got a crock pot going. And... Listen, <laughs> we don't do millennials. We don't do crock pots. We got an instant pot. We done leveled up on y'all. That instant pot. We leveled up on y'all. All right. Go, go, back, to, go back to verse, verse 4 real quick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty, the beauty, the beauty of the Lord beauty of the Lord you know people people debate what is the beauty was he talking about the Ark of the Covenant is that what he was was he talking about the lights was he talking about the sound was he talking about the words what was David wanting to gaze on he was wanting to behold he was wanting to behold the beauty of the house the beauty of the church the beauty of the house of the Lord is not any of this it's the beholding that's the beauty that's the beauty it ain't none of this it ain't none of this it ain't the message it's not the set list it's, it's, it's the face. It's the gaze of God, right? And to inquire. Everybody say inquire. Inquire in his temple. Now, I want you to look at something real quick. David starts and he finishes verse 4 with an ask. See that? One thing I've asked for and to inquire. See, David had his questions prioritized. So often we get confused about the, the place of our questions and how we might prioritize them. But there is a sequence to seeking God. And before you ask Him for stuff, you ask Him to gaze. And when you get into that place, what did Gary Keller say in the One Thing book? What is the one thing that I could do? So by doing it, all of life becomes easier and that which is unnecessary falls away. There's a sequence to the seeking. I'm in the face of God. I'm asking you for your face. I got one thing. I'm going after God and God alone. I'm going after God and God alone. And then from that place, I start asking for other stuff. I start asking for what I need. I start asking for God to touch my sister-in-law. I start asking for God to touch my, my, my cousin who's far from God. I start, I start asking God to touch my friend who's imprisoned. I start asking God to save my son who's been distant and estranged from the family for a number of years. I start asking for other stuff. I start asking for opportunity. I start asking asking for favor at the job because questions find their place in the presence of God. The the will of God, the will of God is found in the presence of God. Our questions become purified in the presence. Once we get into that place of the presence, then we start to inquire and all of our questions line up.
and that's, that's the fifth point if you're taking notes. A focused gaze leads to accurate ask. James 4 and 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's, that's crazy. But see, that's how we ask from the outside rather than from that inner sanctuary, from that holy of holies. When we get into that place, we stop asking for dumb stuff and we start asking in alignment with the will of God. And when we ask in alignment with the will of God, boom, instantly mountains fall. Instantly the crooked places are made straight. Instantly, instantly miracles happen. Instantly there's a, there's a way that's been made. Instantly miracles start to happen. Instantly. Because that's just what God does. And this is what we're after, church. One thing in the presence of God. One thing to look upon His beauty. One thing to dwell in a perpetual place of encounter. One thing, this is where we are. In Jesus' name, let's stand. As you're standing, if you don't mind, just for a moment, just bow your head, close your eyes. If there's anybody in here this morning that is far from God, you need to come home to Jesus today. You would say, I am not walking with God. I need to get saved. I need to come home. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I just want to give you one moment to respond. If that's you in the room, will you lift your hand very quickly? We're going to pray with you right now. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Just lift your hand if that's you. We're going to pray with you right now. Awesome. I see you. Anybody else? Just real quick. Let's respond real quick if that's you. Awesome. 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 All right. We're going to pray. We're going to pray with those that have lifted their hand. We pray, Jesus. Come on. Let's pray with them. Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I receive your blood from the cross of Calvary for my forgiveness. I receive your freedom. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I belong to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.